Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Thank you, Brother Steve. Let me ask you, are you ready? If that trumpet sounds? Because it could happen today. I remember as a nine-year-old boy, I heard it was on a Monday. Um, not my pastor, but the Christian school that we went to, the pastor of the church there and the school, and he preached a message on the second coming of Christ, preached a message about the rapture. I had gone forward as a five-year-old boy in our church, but I didn't get saved. Everybody thought I was saved, but I knew in my heart. I knew at five years old that I needed to be saved. I knew it before that. I knew I needed to be saved. Five years old, I'm, we were sitting, I can remember where I was sitting, it was in the back, on the left side from where I'm at, the left side, you're right, and sitting back with my family and my mom walked with me. We went down the aisle, but I didn't get saved that night. Nine years old on that Monday, he preached a message, Dr. Bob Kelly preached a message on the rapture. And I remember going home, I remember all day in classes, because that was like at 10 o'clock in the morning, we had chapel. And I remember thinking all day long in my classes, went home on the bus that afternoon, Laid in bed that night and I knew in my heart, if the rapture happens, you're going to hell. I knew it. You say, Pastor, a nine-year-old boy, God would send him to hell? Absolutely, because I knew. I knew who I was, I knew what Christ had done for me, and I had never placed my faith in Him. I would have gone to hell. And that night I got up, and I've told you all before, but I got up and went in and my mom and dad were sleeping. It was probably about one or two in the morning. And just tapped my mom on the shoulder, scared her to death. And she got up and told her, I told her, I said, Mommy, I need to be saved. And she thought I was already saved. I'd already been baptized. Because I had, everybody thought I had made a profession of faith. I went into a room with a gentleman and he talked to me and he prayed for me. And he came out and told everybody that Timmy was saved. Timmy wasn't saved. So my mom took me into the living room and I prayed and she took me through verses and verses that I had already been taught, been preached to in our church. And and I knelt right there at our, our couch in our living room and I prayed and asked Christ to save me. And I haven't doubted that since. Because the Bible is true and God is true. And the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And at nine years old, I called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. And if that trumpet sounds today, I'm ready. Not because I'm a pastor. I'm ready because as a nine-year-old boy, I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in His finished work, the blood of Christ. And so I ask you, have you ever done that? Are you ready? Because the trumpet could sound today. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. That will be part of our message. But Hebrews chapter number 11... If you're here today and if you, you don't know, maybe just have some doubts or maybe in your heart you say, Pastor, I don't know, I'm not sure. Listen, you need to settle that today. It, by the way, you need to settle that right now. Settle it right now. You could come right now and say, Pastor, I'm not saved. You could come right now and somebody would take you and take the Word of God and show you a little bit further what the Bible says about eternal life. You could take care of that right now. Don't, don't leave here today without settling that. Because the trumpet should sound today, no doubt about it. Hebrews chapter number 11 is where we're at. 
This past Wednesday night, we centered our minds, our thoughts upon verse number 23, and we spoke about the faith of the parents of Moses, of Amram and Jochebed. We spoke about invisible parents with an invincible purpose. Invisible parents with an invincible purpose. But this morning, we begin in verse number 24, and for the next six verses, the Scriptures are going to point our attention to the faith of their son. The faith of the son of Amram and Jochebed. We know him to be Moses. And so we're going to begin in verse number 24 this morning. And so if you're physically able, if you'll stand with me this morning, we'll allow the children to be dismissed to junior church and toddler church this morning. Hebrews 11 and verse number 24. The Bible says, By faith... Moses. Let, let's just think just a moment before we read any more. Where does faith come from? Faith cometh by hearing, Romans ten seventeen, and hearing by what? The Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Moses had heard the Word of God from his mom and dad, from Amram and Jochebed, He had heard the Word of God from them, but he had heard the Word of God also from the very mouth of God Himself. And the Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Make no mistake this morning, sin is pleasurable. We lie to people when we tell them otherwise. Sin is pleasurable, but only for a moment, only momentarily, only temporarily, only for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense. Of the reward. If you have a bulletin, you know the title. For the next few moments, I'd like to preach to us on this subject. Trust me, you would rather. Trust me, you would rather. Father, help us today teach us. I do pray, Lord, if there's one here today or maybe even several who've never come to the knowledge of Christ, the saving knowledge of Christ, I pray that today they would be gloriously saved. Father, I pray for us as believers today. Father, I pray that You'd stir our hearts regarding this matter of faith, regarding this matter of the life that we're living while we're here upon this earth. What are we refusing and what are we choosing today? Are we refusing the world and choosing You, or are we refusing You and choosing the world? And so, Lord, I pray that You'd open our eyes today, stir us, convict us. Whatever needs are present today, Father, I know You can meet every single one of them. And, Father, I pray that we would allow You to do so. Father, help us. Help us in a way that maybe we didn't even expect before we came into this building today. But Father, please help us to leave different and we'll praise you and thank you for it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The faith that had been planted in Moses had begun to grow in the life of Moses. And it's going to be displayed here in these six verses, verses 24 through 29, even though we're only going to look at three this morning, 
they are displayed in grand fashion, his faith, if you will. The life of Moses can be categorized and really studied in three distinct 40-year segments. Moses was in the court of Pharaoh for 40 years. He was in the desert in Midian for 40 years. And he was with the children of Israel in the wilderness, leading the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, for 40 years. I believe verses 24 through 26 speak uh, to the first 80 years and the verses 27, 28, and 29 to the last 40 years. Although some would say, well, I, I, I think the middle 40 years is really mixed in all six verses. And that's okay. I wouldn't necessarily argue or disagree with that. But here's the wonderful truth. No matter what segment of life it was, that first 40 years, the middle 40 years, or the 40 years that he's leading the nation of Israel in the wilderness, here's what Moses did. He exercised faith. Exercise isn't always easy, is it? By the way, I would say it's probably never easy if you do it right and if you do it consistently and honestly. You can say, well, I ran... Or, or I ran five miles yesterday and you ran like five, or you walked like five steps. Okay, now if, if we do it honestly and if we do it consistently, it's hard, isn't it? It's always hard, but here's the truth it's always profitable. And in every segment of the life of Moses, he exercised faith. And if Moses could speak to us this morning, and by the way, he is. If Moses could speak to us this morning, he would say, trust me, you would rather. Trust me, you would rather. Look what the Bible says there in verses 24 through 26, specifically verses 24 and 25. The Bible says, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, and I mentioned Wednesday night I used the... the 40 years, and I said at 40 years old, and here's the truth. I believe before he was 40 years old, he made this decision. Now, we know that he had that distinct 40-year period that he was in Pharaoh's palace before he killed the, the, excuse me, killed the Egyptian. He hit him in the sand, and he fled to the backside of the desert, to Midian. But I believe that Moses made this decision well before he was 40 years old. But it said by faith, Moses, when he was come to years. So how old was he? I'm not sure. But the Bible says when he was come to years, what did he do? What's the next word? Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And then in verse 29, or excuse me, verse 25, it says choosing, what's the next word? Rather. Choosing, what do we have? We have a comparison. We have a contrast, if you will. The Bible says he refused and rather he chose. He refused one thing and rather of choosing that, he chose something differently. So let's look at these two this morning. Just two points and we're going to develop these this morning. Trust me, you would rather. Number one, if you have a bulletin, have the outline on the back. But if you don't, if you'll just stay with us. We're going to go to several passages This morning, I pray that you'll stay with me, not a whole lot, but a little bit. Trust me, you would rather. Number one, trust me. If Moses could speak to us this morning, he would say, Trust me, you would rather refuse their riches. The riches in Egypt, the treasures in Egypt, the the priorities and the possessions in Egypt, he would say, Trust me, you would rather refuse their riches. Look what he says there. Look look what he's speaking about. First of all, Moses refused Egypt's schooling. 
Now the kids are going to like this one this morning, but Moses refused Egypt's schooling. Take your Bibles if you would and turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 7. Acts chapter number 7. Now kids, I'm not giving you permission not to do your schoolwork, but I want us to notice something this morning. Look, the wisdom of this world is foolishness compared to the wisdom of God. And the Bible says in Acts chapter number 7, Acts chapter number 7 and verse number 22. In Acts chapter number 7, we have the, the, the great message from Stephen. He's standing in front of the council there, and he's standing in front of these religious leaders, really these Jews, these religious leaders, the high priest, if you would. And he's really just rehashing and recounting some of the history of Israel. And in verse number 22, it says, And Moses was, what's the word there? Learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in words and in deeds. And was mighty in words and in deeds. You know, you know what the Bible tells us there? The Bible tells us that Moses was a smart dude. The Bible tells us that Moses was learned, he was schooled, he was taught in the Egyptian education system, if you would. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 11 that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. By the way, in verse number 27, and we'll get to that maybe tonight or Wednesday night, in verse number 27, the Bible says he did what? He forsook Egypt. So number one, as we think about Moses, he would say, trust me, you would rather refuse their riches. Moses refused Egypt's schooling. Take your Bibles and go a little bit further in the New Testament to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. I'm not saying that kids, you ought to refuse your math class, and you ought to refuse your, 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 your English class or your science class, but I am saying this this morning. We ought to refuse, whether it's a child or whether it's us as adults, we ought to refuse the false teaching of the worldly philosophies and education systems that are being taught today. We ought to refuse that. Parents send their children off to state colleges and they send them off with a, a, a background and, and a teaching and maybe they've taught them in a conservative manner or even they've grown up in church and they send them off to a school that, that um, mocks God and that hates God and that's going to teach everything contrary to God and they come home wanting nothing to do with God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Moses would tell us this morning, trust me, you would rather refuse their riches. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, notice verse number 25. He says, because the foolishness of God, is God foolish? And, and, answer, is God foolish? No. He's making a comparison here. He says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Now, by the way, in this passage, he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about, speaking about giving the gospel. Speaking about Jesus Christ. In verse number 18, he says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. In verse number 25, he says, Because the foolishness of God, speaking about the cross of Calvary and the gospel, is wiser than than men. And the weakness of God, if God could be weak, and He's not. 
He's omnipotent. But he says, and the weakness of God. If God could be weak, and He's not, but He'd still be stronger than man. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Look over at chapter number 3, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 18. This world has an agenda. We know that. The world, the flesh, and the devil has an agenda. It's to deceive... By the way, their agenda is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's their agenda. Doesn't matter what avenue they bring it through, they want to kill, steal, and destroy. Verse number 18, he says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are, what's the word there? Vain. First of all, Moses refused Egypt's schooling. Number two, Moses refused Egypt's sin. He refused Egypt's sin. The Bible says there in verse number 25 of Hebrews 11, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Moses refused Egypt's sin, its pleasures, and its treasures. Take your Bibles and go with me to 1 John, if you would. 1 John chapter number 2. Trust me, you would rather refuse their riches. He refused Egypt's schooling. He refused Egypt's sin, its pleasures, and its treasures. 1 John chapter number 2 and verse number 15. The Bible says, Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We have a number of things in these three verses. We have a, 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 a list of the things that are specifically in the world. We have in verse number 16, verse number 15, he tells us not to love the things of the world. Okay, what are the things of the world? Well, verse 16 tells us that. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And then in verse number 17, it tells us, look, this is why you ought not love the world, because the world's going to pass away. The world is temporary. The pleasures of sin is temporary. They are temporary. The things of the world are temporary. They're going to burn up one day. He said... And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, what? Abideth forever. He refused Egypt's schooling, but he refused Egypt's sin. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's treasures and it's pleasures. Now, by the way, I want you to think with me this morning. Let's don't just pass over this. You think about what Moses would have come into contact with in the palace. He would have had anything he wanted. Any of you ever lived in a palace? Any of you ever lived with the king? You live with the king of kings, don't you? If you're saved. But have you ever lived with an earthly king? I haven't. My kids sure don't. But if you lived in a palace with the earthly king, what would you have? You would have servants. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm just speculating based upon what we know about royalty today. You'd have servants. You'd have people at your beck and call, right? Go fix me a ham sandwich. 
Go fix me a banana and mayonnaise sandwich. We mentioned that to the van kids Wednesday night. They're like, what? Banana and mayonnaise sandwich? Listen, if you've never had banana and mayonnaise sandwich, you are missing it. Right? I don't, hey, I don't, even, I don't even know if you're, if you're Southern if you don't like a banana mayonnaise sandwich. I'm just teasing. But I do, I do like them. But hey, whatever you want. Peanut butter and jelly. Go fix me a steak. Everything you want. Ease. At ease in Zion, the Bible speaks about. Moses would have been at ease. The best chariot. He would have, he would have had the real Mustang, wouldn't he? A Mustang pulling his chariot, right? He would have had the best chariot. Probably had a basketball court in the palace. If he liked, I'm, hey, I'm just thinking. Swimming pool in the palace. Tennis court in the palace. Putting green in the palace. Maybe had some indoor shops in the palace. Now Moses wouldn't have cared about that because he was a man. Yeah, I'm just checking y'all this morning. Maybe some indoor shopping. Anything you would have wanted. A trust fund. That would have been inexhaustible. And what does the Bible say he did? He refused it. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused it. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Here's a young man who, yes, we spoke about this Wednesday night. We don't know how long he had with Amram and Jochebed. I believe with all my heart, whatever time that was, they are pumping him full of God's Word. Okay, we don't know how long that was. By the way, let me say this, the very word that he would pen one day. Because he penned the first five books of the Bible. But they're pumping him with the Word of God and the Word of God. And then he goes to the palace. He, Exodus chapter 2 verse number 10 tells us, when he came of age, he had to go to the palace. And then from then on, he's learning, Acts 7.22 tells us, he's learning the wisdom of the Egyptians. And the Bible says when he comes to age, he still refuses. He still forsakes, verse 27 says, everything in Egypt. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. How is it that Moses spent all that time in Egypt and still refused Egypt? But young person this morning, you're spending all your time at home with a mom and dad who love you and give you the Word of God. You're spending your time at a church that loves you and a pastor that loves you and gives you the Word of God. And you still want to go after the world. You ever thought about that one? There was something in Moses that said, listen, that ain't worth it. Hey, it looks good. Boy, it would be very comfortable. I, I, I wouldn't have any, any obstacles. I wouldn't have any pushback. I could stay right here in Egypt. That would be comfortable. But Moses said, no. 
Young people, you're getting the Word of God and you're getting truth and you're getting truth and your eyes are set and your eyes are pulled to the things of this world. You need to stop it. Adults, we're no different. You know the Word of God. You've heard the Word of God. Many of you have been in this church for decades. You know the Word of God. You know it, you know it, you know it, you know it. Stop looking at the world. Stop getting attracted by the world. Stop getting pulled by the world. Listen, I think sometimes on Sunday morning, maybe we need to sing six or seven songs. Because I believe three songs is not enough for us to get to where we need to be because we haven't listened to good music during the week. And then we get into the house of God and we listen to three hymns and we're like, oh man, those old hymns. By the time we get to the third one, the Spirit's getting us a little bit. Maybe we need to sing six or seven. Because we've listened to too much of the world's stuff during the week. And our flesh is drawn to the world's stuff. And our flesh is drawn to the world's music. And our flesh is drawn to the, 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 the beat or whatever of the world's music. And we don't have an appetite for the music of God. Moses said, no, no, no. I don't want their music. By the way, Moses knew the difference. Just go to Exodus 32. Him and Joshua come down off the mountain. And they say, it sounds like the sound of war. What did they say? It's not the sound of war, it's music. Yeah, Moses knew the difference. Moses knew the difference between Egypt's music and Moses knew the difference between God's music. And he said, the world's music, that's Egypt's music. I used to hear that. That's Egypt's music. That's the music of the world. You say, Pastor, how do you know that's Egypt's music? Because everything they're doing is copying what was done in Egypt. Where did they learn to build golden calves? Seriously. Come on now. Where where did they learn to do that? They learned it in Egypt. Where did they learn to dance naked around this golden calf? God didn't teach them that. Where did they learn to do that? In Egypt. Number one, if Moses could speak to us, and he is through Hebrews chapter number 11, he'd say, trust me, you would rather refuse their riches. He refused Egypt's schooling. He refused Egypt's sin. Two things about sin, about Egypt's sin, about the sin of this world, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The pleasure of sin is limited. The products of sin are lasting. I said it a moment ago, sin is pleasurable. The pleasure of sin, but it's limited. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, for a season. The pleasure of sin is limited. The products of sin are lasting. There's always forgiveness for sin, right? Always. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God and the grace of God? But that doesn't do away with the consequence of that sin. Upon our lives, we'll still have the scars. Pleasure of sin is limited. The products of sin are lasting. Moses refused Egypt's schooling. He refused Egypt's sin. Then thirdly, he refused Egypt's status. In verse number 24 of Hebrews 11, he said he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Trust me, you would rather refuse their riches. Number two. Listen, we could scream louder and we could get loud and spend more time on number one. But friend, if you've been saved by the good grace of God and your sins have been washed away by His blood, 
How much more screaming does somebody need to do? To prove to you that Christ is better. To prove to us that this world has nothing to offer to us. To prove to us that this world only wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He's been so good to us. Jesus Christ shed His perfect blood for us. He paid the ultimate and He paid the price. He gave it all for us. How much more do we have to be convinced that He deserves everything I am, who I am, everything I have? Number two, He would say, trust me, you would rather refuse their riches. Number two, He would say, trust me, you would rather choose my Christ. Moses knew who Christ was. Verses 25 and 26, he says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse 26, esteeming. Esteeming. Having respect. Lifting it up. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He's he's speaking like the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter number 3. He said, Paul says, I want to know Him. I want to know His sufferings. That's exactly what Moses did and said and exercised. He says, choosing rather. He refused one thing and he chose. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. And by the way, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3, if we're going to live righteously in this present world, we're going to suffer what? We're going to suffer persecution. We're going to suffer tribulation. If we do right and live right in this present world, we're going to suffer. And Moses said, I would rather suffer with my people than be at ease with these Egyptians because their outcome is not going to be very good. Oh, but Moses, Moses, Moses. Look at the ease and the comfort that you're giving up. How long did that ease and comfort last? It lasted for another 40 years until Moses came back with the power of God on him. And then what happened? Yeah, they had ease and comfort. Moses raised 40 years in the palace. 40 years he... He, he flees because he's scared of the Pharaoh because he has killed an Egyptian. An Egyptian was, was mistreating a Hebrew and he killed him and he hit him in the sand and he flees. He goes to the backside of the desert, he goes to Midian and he becomes a shepherd. Forty years later in Exodus chapter number 3, God meets him at that bush. Now by the way, Mo, Moses, I believe this based upon the Word of God, Mo, Moses already knew that he was supposed to deliver Israel. I'll show you that in just a moment. Moses already knew before he went to the desert that he was supposed to be the deliverer of Israel. But 40 years later, God comes and He said, Moses, it's time. I've I've heard the affliction of my people. I've heard their cries and their groanings. I've seen the affliction of my people. I've seen the taskmasters and the rigor that they have to work with. And he says, Moses, it's time. And so 40 years later, Moses goes back to Egypt I think it's interesting in Acts 7.22, the Bible says there that he was learned in all the wisdom of Egypt and he was, um, he was mighty in word 
What's the first thing he argues with God about? He said, I can't speak. Come on, Moses. The Bible tells me different. The Bible tells me you are mighty in word. See, we all have excuses, don't we? And even as as a mighty and powerful and courageous man as Moses was, a man of faith, courageous, faith in God's promises, he still made excuses. God, I can't speak. God said, yes, you can. He said, certainly I will be with thee. God sends him back to Egypt. And after all is said and done, Egypt is brought to her knees, isn't she? So where's the comfort now? Where's the ease now? You, you, you see the person, the child of God, who once and for all gets it in their head and understands, you know what? It's better living for Christ. Because I know the end of living for self in this world is destruction. I know that the end of living for things and stuff and pleasures and treasures in this world, it's going to end in destruction because this world is going to be burned up one day. It ends in destruction. But a life lived for God, it ends with His blessing, it continues with His blessing, and it ends with His blessing, it it continues with His power, it continues with Him fighting for me, it continues with His blessing, it continues with the abundant Christian life. And it ends, maybe, hopefully, with a well done, thou good and faithful servant. Number two, trust me. You would rather choose my Christ. Take your Bibles and go to the book of John real quickly. John chapter number 5. Moses knew who Christ was. John chapter number 5. Moses knew perfectly well who he was. He knew perfectly well what he was called to. And he knew perfectly well the one who was calling him. And the one who would one day come. John chapter number 5 and verse number 46 Jesus Christ speaking here. And by the way, let me say this. We say it all the time, especially when we're in the New Testament, especially when we see the red letter and we say Jesus Christ is speaking. That is true. The red letter is for when Jesus Christ was speaking upon this earth. But can I tell you this? If, if, if every word in the Bible that Jesus spoke were red letter, the entire Bible would be red letter. Because it all comes from Him. But here in John chapter number 5, Jesus Christ speaking while He was here upon this earth, in verse number 46, He said, For had ye believed Moses? In verse 45, He says, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses, excuse me, accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed Me. Notice this, for He did what? He wrote of Me. He wrote of me. He knew who I was. He wrote of me. He knew that there was a Christ coming. He knew that the Messiah was coming. Acts chapter number 7 again, real quickly. Acts chapter number 7 in verse number 23. Acts 7 in verse 23. The Bible says, And when he was full, 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Notice verse 25. Moses knew that he was going to be the deliverer. Because look what verse 25 says. For he, speaking of Moses, supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. Moses knew God's going to deliver the nation of Israel by my hand. But it wasn't time yet. And they didn't understand yet. But Moses already knew it in his heart. God, I believe, look, I believe God had already shown it to him. 
He knew who Christ was. Trust me, you would rather choose my Christ. Look at verse number 35. Acts chapter 7 and verse 35. This Moses whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after that he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. That is, excuse me, this is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, notice this, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, him shall ye hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Notice verse 37 again. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, him shall ye hear. By the way, he speaks about that in Deuteronomy, in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter number, uh, Deuteronomy chapter number 18. You know who he's talking about? He's talking about Christ. So hear ye Him. One more passage real quickly, 1 Corinthians 10. And I'll give you these three real quickly and we'll be done in just a moment. 1 Corinthians 10. Trust me, you would rather choose my Christ. Here's what I'm saying this morning. Here's what Moses is telling us this morning. Don't you dare die and go to hell because you choose this world over Christ. Because you choose the treasures and the pleasures. You think they're better than what Jesus Christ has done for us. 1 Corinthians 10. If Moses, a man who experienced much more wealth than we ever could or did, he lived in the palace. He lived with Pharaoh. He was for all intents and purposes, even though he refused it, he was the grandson of Pharaoh. That was his status. That's what he could have been. But he refused it. All of the wealth. All of the ease and all of the comfort. And he said, I would rather suffer affliction with my people. The Bible says he esteemed, he respected, he revered, he lifted up, he exalted the reproach of Christ. Let me ask you, did Christ suffer reproach while he was here upon this earth? More than we will ever understand. He suffered reproach. And Moses said, I would rather suffer the reproach of Christ than to have the riches of Egypt. Those, he says, are greater riches. The, the reproach of Christ, he says in Hebrews eleven twenty six, 26, it's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did eat the same spiritual meat. Notice verse 4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was who? It was Christ. You know what Moses would say to us this morning? Trust me. You would rather refuse their riches. And you would rather choose my Christ. Three things here quickly. First of all, we see the reality of His redemption is greater. In Hebrews eleven twenty six, it says, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. The reality of His redemption is greater. Dear friend, this morning, if you know Christ or if you don't know Christ, if you do know Christ, you ought to know this. The reality of His redemption and what He's done for every single one of us in this morning who have called upon the name of Christ is greater than any treasure we could ever have. Oh, but Pastor Boy, I'd like a a new 
F-150 King Ranch pickup. Yeah, that might be nice. But it ain't going to get you to heaven. And by the way, can I tell you something? That shiny F-150 King Ranch or Platinum or Lariat or whatever you want, you know what? It's going to break down one day. Brother Rick and I were talking the other day. It is so evident if people just open their eyes. Things always break. This thing about evolution and things getting better. Why doesn't that apply to vehicles or appliances? Pray tell, tell me that. And by the way, why doesn't that apply to us? Because I sure ain't getting better. Every day you get older, it doesn't get better. Things start breaking, don't they? Amen. They start breaking. Yeah, open your eyes. Evolution is false. I did. I, t- I told Brother Rick, I said, but there's, there, there is one thing that makes me, makes me want to believe in evolution sometimes. I do believe we have grown a new appendage. We hold these things in our hands all the time. And we, we can't live without, and it's just like they're grown to our hand, called smartphones. Maybe that's a evidence of evolution. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everything breaks, doesn't it? Doesn't get better. But what Christ gives us is going to be greater. The reality of His redemption, the riches, excuse me, the riches of His reproach. The riches of His reproach. The reality of His redemption is greater. The riches of His reproach is greater. Let's, let's turn here real quick. I, I'm, I'm trying to be done, but let's turn to 2 Corinthians. Would you go there real quickly? 2 Corinthians 4. Trust me, you'd rather choose my Christ. The reality of His redemption is greater. Everything that Moses' eyes... Perceived and saw while he lived in the palace. Paled in comparison to the heaven that he lives in right now. And everything that we can see upon this earth, as wonderful as it may be sometimes, and as enamoring as it may be sometimes, it pales in comparison to what we're going to see in heaven one day. We just don't even know. Our finite minds can't even comprehend how wonderful heaven's going to be. Second Corinthians chapter 4, really, look at verse number 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Okay, pastor, you're, you're, you're convincing me. I really want this. I want the despair. I want the persecution. But troubled on every side, distressed. Verse 11, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, 
yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Notice verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for what? It's but for a moment. You may be able to enjoy pleasures and treasures on this earth, you won't get to enjoy them long. 70 years, the Bible speaks of, maybe 80, maybe four score, maybe 90, maybe 100. But do you know Moses has been in the glories of heaven for several thousand years now? He lived to be 120. 40, 40, 40. He gave up what was temporarily inviting to gain what was permanent. Permanently glorious. Look what he says here, verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for, excuse me, but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding, and what's the word there? Eternal! Eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. They're, they're going to burn up, they're going to go away, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I haven't, I've never seen heaven, but I'm going to see it one day. I, I can see a home, and I can see treasures, and I can see cash, and I can see money in a bank, and I can see all the flashy things that the devil puts before our eyes, but that's only temporary. And Moses understood that. And Moses said, trust me, you would rather choose my Christ. Yes, there are going to be some afflictions. And yes, you're going to suffer some persecutions. But through all of that, you're going to get to know Him intimately. And most Christians never get to know Him intimately because they don't want His afflictions. They don't want to suffer with Him. Number one, the reality of His redemption is greater. Number two, the riches of His reproach are greater. And number three, the recompense of His reward is greater. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 26, says, For He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You know what Moses understood? I may suffer. But you know what? I'm going to have rewards that are going to be eternal. Not, not, not some gold and silver that's temporary upon this earth, but I'm going to have rewards in heaven that are going to be eternal. A far exceeding weight and eternal, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 4, weight of glory. It's forever. The recompense of the reward is greater. The reality of His redemption is greater. The riches of His reproach are greater. The recompense of His reward is greater. By the way, Moses in Exodus 33, Brother Dallas preached from that passage last Sunday night, but in verse number 11 of Exodus 33, it talks about Moses speaking to God face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Moses is called the friend of God. Anything better than having a friend like that? 
Anything better than having a father like that? You may have, this morning, you may have a million dollars in the bank, and if you do, God bless you. Thank Him, praise Him for it. But if you know Christ, your father owns all of the millions in every bank account. And he owns the banks. He owns it all. Trust me, you would rather. And dear friend, this morning, if you're allowing the things of this world, the treasures and the pleasures to pull your attention. Hey, believer, if you're allowing the things of this world pull your attention, this morning, would you just be reminded and remember who your Christ is and what He's done for you? Friend, if you're here this morning and you're allowing the things of this world to pull your heart to the point that you don't want to receive Christ, because I don't want to live that way. I like my fun and I like my toys and, and, and I like my good time. And, I, you know, I like, I like being just a little bit bad every now and then. Yeah, where's that going to get you? You know what, if you like your being a little bit bad every now and then and you never come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you walk out of this building today and you have a wreck or you have a heart attack or you head out into eternity, you know where that got you? Temporary fun, that's all it got you. By the way, not, not even temporary fun. We equate fun with sin, and that's wrong. It's gotten you a little temporary pleasure, but it sent you straight to hell. Moses said, He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches. If Moses could speak to us today, he would say, trust me. You would rather. Father, thank you for the time you've given us this morning. Help us. Help us, Lord. Let me ask this morning before we stand and before Ms. Joe begins to play, I want to ask a few questions. How many of you this morning would say, you say, Pastor, I don't have any doubts whatsoever. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. There's been a moment in my life with a genuine heart. I called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. I placed my faith and trust in Him. I don't have any doubts about it whatsoever. I know if the trumpet sounds today or death takes me today or something happens today, I know that I'm going to be in the very presence of my Savior today, absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. I know it, Pastor. And I'm giving testimony. I'm giving grand testimony this morning by raising my my hand this morning. Pastor, I know that I'm saved. If that's you, would you raise your hand real high this morning? Pastor, I know without a doubt that I'm saved. I'm headed to heaven. I know it. I know it. Don't have any doubts about it. Or you can put those down. How many of you that just raised your hand, you say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. Don't have any doubts about it. How many of you would say, but Pastor, you know, I know, I, I know, I know, I know I'm saved. But Pastor, if I had to be honest, I have been choosing the world. It's treasures and it's pleasures. I've been choosing the world over Christ. 
in recent days. And I want to get that right with the Lord this morning. Would there be a believer who would be honest and just say, Pastor, I know I've been choosing the wrong things lately, and I want to get some things right with the Lord this morning. Anybody at all, believer, with a raised hand, you say, Pastor, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I need to get some things right. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for another hand. And another one and another. Anybody else, Pastor, pray for me. I see that hand over there. Pastor, pray for me. I've been choosing the wrong things. There's another. Thank you. All right, let me ask the last question. How many of you with an honest heart, you say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand on that first question because, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved today. I'm not sure that I've ever placed my faith and trust in the finished work of Christ. I'm not sure that His blood has ever been applied and appropriated to my life. I'm not sure this morning. Pastor, I'd like for you to pray for me. I don't want to leave here unsaved and lost. I want to leave here knowing the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. Where there be one or maybe even several with a raised hand, you say, Pastor, pray for me this morning. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you do that? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you. But you'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure about my eternal destination. I'm not sure that I'm saved today. Let's stand to our feet, heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to pray for these that raised hands. As soon as I'm finished, Miss Joe's going to begin to play. I'd ask you to keep heads bowed bowed and eyes closed. If you need to come, I'd encourage you to do so. Father, thank you for these that raised hands, these that said, I know without a doubt I'm saved. I thank you for these that raised hands and said, I know that I'm saved, but there are some things I need to get right with my, with my Christ this morning. I'm not living in light of what He's done for me. And Lord, I pray that you'd help them with that today. Lord, if there would be one or two or several that might be here that didn't raise hands, but in their heart they know they're not saved. Father, I pray that you'd help them to be so before they leave today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The piano's playing. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to come, come. Believer, did you raise your hand and say, I need to get some things right with the Lord? Why don't you come and do that? Why don't you come to this front pew, this platform? Why don't you make an altar somewhere between where your feet are standing right now in this front of this auditorium and just make an altar? And really just say, Lord, thank you. Lord, I praise you. I, I rejoice. I shout with joy for what you've done for me. God, help me to stop being so enticed by the things of this world. So enamored with things that have no eternal value and that do absolutely nothing for me. Dear friend, do you know that you're saved this morning? We don't need to be afraid of that word. That's a Bible word. Salvation is a Bible doctrine. We're saved by grace through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have remission through faith in His blood, Romans chapter 3 tells us. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. That's the song she's playing. Let me ask you, believer, this morning, is that true in your life today? I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Than houses or land, silver and gold, I'd rather have Jesus. Riches untold. Than to be the king of a vast domain, you'd rather have Jesus. 
than anything this world affords to me. I hope that's our heart's cry today. Amen. Thanks so much for your attention, your attendance. We're going to pray and be dismissed. Look forward to seeing you back tonight at 6, 5 o'clock for choir practice. And uh, we'll see everyone at 6. I'm going to ask Brother Roma to pray for us. Uh, Please do, ladies, before you leave, make sure you get by the tables over there and see if you have anything remaining over there and grab those before you leave. Brother Roma, you dismiss us, please, sir.